Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem, we'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. We are now in James chapter 3, and we're just starting a new section about taming the tongue. And I just love this book of James. I don't know about you guys, but I really do. So this, I mean, it's been such practical advice that we've had so far. Remember back in chapter one, we talked about faith. You know, we need to have this fatherly focus because we want to consider that there's a purpose for our life. We want to have this active attitude when we and always asking in prayer for wisdom. So we want to be always changing when the word of God needs to help us grow. And we have to have this attitude of joy when we've when the Word of God is in us, because it's going to change us, and it's going to put us against the world. The world's going to be against us, but we are changing to be more like God, not more like the world. And the invitation for trials and tests are is inevitable. It's not if uh, we have a trial or a test coming our way. It's when. So whenever we have that, we need to be asking in prayer for wisdom. We have to have an active at, uh, attitude. That attitude needs to be joy, joyful, and we need to have um, that active part about us that we're actively growing through uh, the trials and tests that life brings to us. Because they're coming from God. The trials and tests are from God. They're not random God has a purpose for our lives. And he says the trials and tests will be various kinds. The little ones, the everyday little things, to the, to the big trials and the big tests. They're coming from God. You're not being tempted by God. God doesn't use evil to tempt good. And we need to have a holy humility. A holy humility for this heavenly harvest. Whether you're poor, God put you there. He put you there so He could exalt you through your faith. You're wealthy. God put you there. He put you there for the purpose of showing others how He will eventually have to humiliate you to bring you down because you can't depend on that wealth. And so God has a purpose in all of our lives, showing all of us how we depend on Him for our crown of life. That's our purpose, for Him to bless us 
through our faith. And we talked about, so that was kind of a synopsis of chapter one. In chapter two, we, we came over to putting all of this faith into practical things. We talked about the difference between faith and works. You know, Paul talked about, you know, the fact that, you know, you can't be saved by any works that you do. What saves you is your faith, and that's true. We can't, we can't do anything because Jesus has already saved us on the cross. We can't work our way to heaven. But James is saying, once you're saved, you've got to, you've got to produce the fruit of your faith, and that's your good works. And it's like a plant with roots. You can't see the roots um, underground. You can only see what the roots produce. The roots of the plant is like your faith. And the fruit of the plant is what you can see. And he says, faith without works is dead. It's just like a root in the ground. If the root in the ground doesn't produce anything above the ground, you know the roots are dead. So faith without good works are is dead faith. So we don't want to, I mean, anybody can have faith. He says even the demons have faith. So our faith needs to be active faith. It needs to be a changing faith. It needs to be a faith that when we have trials and tests, we um, we depend on that faith because that's what God is giving us in life. And we have to produce things, godly living And James says, how do you do it? You just do it. You put God's Word into action. And McGee was saying the best translation of the Bible he's ever heard is the doer's translation. That's what people can see. So we talked about that and and, uh, yesterday also about the, the danger of trying to judge one another. Now we're coming to, he's, he's, now James is getting even more personal. He's getting right down to the individual. Now he's getting down to the part of the individual probably that can do more damage to you producing good works than probably any other thing. It's one of the seven things that God hates, that God hates. And we see this back in Proverbs chapter um, 6, um Verse 16, he says, there's six things that the Lord hates and seven that are an abomination. And one of those things is a lying tongue. A tongue that lies. What we say with our tongue really, really matters. And this is something God hates. And we ought to be mindful of it. And James, you know, drills down on this. Because he just got through talk, you know, talking about living a godly life and producing fruits of our faith. What's gonna What's gonna mess you up? Like what's gonna mess you up to produce fruit? He puts it right after his discussion. He he puts it right after his his reminding them how important it is to be doers of the word and how important it is not to judge others. How important it is to produce. Good works with your faith. You need to produce good works with your faith. You've got to be changed by your faith. But he's saying how you put that into application, the the thing that that is your signature, the thing that is your um, best projection of who you are in your mind and in your heart is how you speak, what you say. 
I've read some research one time that said most people only hear about 10% of what is being said to them. This is like in... Like for sure, in lectures, when you go to hear somebody speak on something, most people are able to hear or retain maybe 10 or 15%. Most of what you're taking in is how they say it, how they deliver it. We really depend on that, believe it or not. And it's like if somebody's yelling and screaming, you don't really hear what they have to say. If someone is kind and gentle, You are listening to them, but what you're really responding to is their kindness. That's powerful information. So James is saying that, too. He's telling us how important the tongue is. So we're only going to look at a few verses because this is so important. And McGee spent a lot of time talking about this. But let's just read these first verses. Chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. He's saying, look, right off the bat, I don't want everybody out there trying to teach. Why? For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. you got to be really on your game to be a good teacher. Why? Because you have the, the potential to lead people astray. Look what happened to those false teachers in Israel. When Jeremiah was trying to warn them, or Hosea was trying to warn the 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 um, the northern kingdom, and Jeremiah was trying to warn the southern kingdom, remember how you know all those teachers were telling everybody it was okay, you know, and nobody really needed to repent, and and the um, Israel would never fall as a nation, that God would ultimately protect them, but people weren't listening to the prophets saying, look, you got to change your life. you got to repent. you got to do God's ways, not your ways. How important. How, look, at, look at all the suffering that occurred because of people's tongues. And it's just a few people. You can have a few people at the top saying what they want to say. And look how many people get lead, led astray from that. And, and James is saying, not many of you should presume to try to teach others. you got to be careful. Verse 2, 4, we all stumble in many ways. And that's just a real short sentence, but man, that's packed with, with, uh, with knowledge right there, huh? James is sort of using this stumbling as a metaphor for sinning. Everybody sins. Everybody's stumbling. And it's another metaphor um, in the, that we see in the New Testament. Uh, Paul uses the, the uh, metaphor for, of walking with the Holy Spirit, you know. And uh, we saw in Galatians 5, I believe it's verse 25, as as we're walking in the Holy Spirit, that word walking is uh, comes from the root word stokio, which means sort of a walking, and then you get up, and then you walk, and then you get up. It's sort of a walking by trial, like a child learns to walk. So walking in the Holy Spirit, but we all stumble. We're all like children. We're all stumbling as we walk. We're all being changed by the Word of God from these people who are imperfect. But we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. 
but we're we're continually being changed. But we stumble, but we all stumble. In other words, everybody, even somebody who presumes to be a teacher will stumble. So you're being taught by a sinner. So we got to be careful as we teach and as we grow from the teaching, as we grow together, we know we stumble. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. Now, this, this is sort of a forward-looking, and my study Bible says it's almost like you're, you're looking to heaven because nobody's perfect. Only Christ was perfect. But if we don't stumble, that's a perfect person. But we're trying for that. We are trying to be more like Christ, the perfect man. And the only way we're going to achieve our perfection is one day in heaven. We will be, we will be with Him in heaven. But right now, we have to depend on our faith. We have to understand the, 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 the high likelihood that we have, that our tongue, if we don't control it, can hurt somebody. So if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Okay? So if you can control your tongue, you know, you're probably able to control what your body's going to do. Your tongue is a window into how you act. Verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So he's saying, if if you're a perfect person, if you're a perfect person and you can control what you say perfectly, you're more than likely to be a perfect person that you've mastered the ability to control your whole body. That's how hard it is to control your tongue. Because the tongue is so easily out of control. And that's what we do to, to try to control the whole body of the horse. To control the horse, you, you control the, the bridle. The bridle, you know, puts it in the mouth of the horse, control the whole body. And so for us, we wanna you wanna you wanna you wanna change, you wanna be more like Christ, control what you say and how you say it. Verse 4, and he he gives us another example. He says, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pirate directs. In other words, you've got this teeny little rudder can move the whole boat in the middle of all these big winds. It's the rudder. That guides the ship. It's the the bridle, the mouth of the horse that guides these powerful animals. And it's that little tongue inside you that's the window into who you are and how you act and the way others perceive you. The way you carry yourself. Verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. 
The tongue can be such a small little part of our bodies, but man, can it talk about big things. It can talk about war. It can talk about peace. It can slander people. It can destroy homes. It can destroy marriages. It can make false accusations. It can throw slander. It threw slander at the Lord Jesus Christ. The little tongues of men falsely accuse the Lord. Doesn't it feel terrible to know people are talking about you? Doesn't it feel terrible when you know people have said something about you that isn't true? One of the biggest things that I see with children when they get into fights is because they argue. Or one person says something and I don't agree with it. Or the other person says that's not true and this is not. And then they blame each other. I didn't do it. He did it. He made me do it. Or she, she, she wouldn't leave me alone. You know, the tongue, no matter what our bodies do, the tongue is so active, so fast. It even moves faster than the bodies do. And then after a while, your bodies have to follow what the tongues have set up, you know. The argument's already on. And now people, the bodies act a different way. They follow the lead of the tongue. Hands on chest. Hands in the air. Walking away. Stomping. Throwing things. Punching people. Fighting. And leaving. Growing cold. Growing bitter. Hearts changing. Look at all the things that all start with the tongue. So James has put out something here that will definitely destroy the good works that you try to do, the fruit of that plant. Remember, your faith is like the roots below the ground, and above the ground is what you can really see, what your faith is really producing. But things like the tongue can destroy your good fruit. James James is saying, don't let that happen. When you grow in the Word of God, when you grow with the Holy Spirit in you of Christ, make sure you work on learning how to tame your tongue, how to control your, your speech, That's how others see you. That's how others learn from you. That controls your body. That controls the directions of your paths, like the directions of the ship. That controls your body's behavior, like the horse with the bridle. And there's nobody who needs to um, take this for granted. And as James said, (laughs) the, the person who can control their tongue is a perfect man. And he's saying, none of us are perfect, so you better not take it for granted. Don't take this warning for granted because you will not honor God with a loose tongue. It's one of the things God hates. One of the things God absolutely hates. So be careful. What a great uh, bit of practical advice. You want wisdom? He just gave it to you in one big... One big nugget right there. So um, we'll end here. This is our schedule for today. We'll take up right here tomorrow as we continue our study of James in chapter 3. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, hope you're doing great. 
And I look forward to hearing what you have to say today. So for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And we'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from James chapter 3, beginning at verse 1 all the way to verse 4. So we are in a section where God is testing our faith in many different ways. So God tests our faith by our tongue. And that's one of the ways God tests faith. So um, in chapter 1 of the book of James, verse 26, it um, read, um, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is vain. It's useless, according to my translation. So here it indicated the issue of the tongue. So that's one of the ways that God tests our faith. And um, in chapter 1 of James, verse 19, it read, scripture read, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So it's also still talking about the tongue. So be swift to hear, pay attention, and then be slow to speak. So it's it's talking about the tongue as well. So be quick to hear and slow to speak. The tongue is the most dangerous weapon in the world. The church today is more harmed by people's wagging tongues within the church. There's gossip, there's backbiting, you know, there's strife in the church because of this little organ that we have in our mouths the tongue you know there's so many lies and that's what hurts the church and that's what hurts the cause of christ today so verse one of james chapter three reads my brethren let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment so james is saying here that the teacher has a greater responsibility so if you're a teacher it's like your parents obviously you're a teacher your parents to you know your kids so you have a greater responsibility to groom the child the way they should go so here well like um the book of james is likened to the book of proverbs like a university we're in the university of james and here James is saying that, you know, if you're a teacher, you have greater responsibility. And the reason is that there is a grave danger in the mouth because you're the teacher, you're the one disseminating the information. There's grave danger in the mouth of teaching today and teaching the wrong thing. And, you know, a lot of people today are falling for all kinds of teaching. You know, like, say, for example, I'll bring in like, you know, prophecy. I have a friend of mine. She's constantly just posting doomsday and prophecy on her page, on her social uh, media page. And, you know, um, I always tend to look at it and I'm thinking, oh, okay, you're always prophesying doomsday and doomsday, always giving the grim side of, you know, God, like, you know, God's going to judge wrath and, oh, yes, God's, um, you know, he's going to judge, but judgment is a strange thing for God. You know, the other side of God is love. So, you know, you have a lot of people today because of all these kinds of teaching, they fall for almost anything. Some people fall for all kinds of methods, all kinds of cults. And, you know, all kinds of isms. And these people are absolutely ignorant of the word of God. So some and, um, you know, some of men's teachings are giving all kinds of interpretations. You know, people don't understand the word and they decide, you know, oh, because, you know, I got saved today and I've been reading the Bible like, you know, for like six months or whatever it is. um, They give their own interpretations as, you know, they don't know the word of God. 
So, you know, for me, I feel, you know, if you don't understand something, read it again. If you don't understand something, again, read it again. If you don't, pray over it and ask for guidance. Or ask somebody else, you know, to listen to a different perspective of it and ask and pray for the Holy Spirit for guidance. So a lot of people, because they're ignorant of the word of God, they give, they're giving all kinds of interpretations. And it's, it's coming from a lot of teachers. And, you know, there's a strict judgment for these, um, you know, teachers of the word of God. as You know, they don't understand the word of God and, um, and give out their own interpretation. So it ministers to the pride and um, conceitedness of people today. Because the person is so prideful and they feel, you know, I have been at this uh, for so many years. And, you know, they are so proud because they're holier than thou and they know better than everyone else. So it actually just ministers to the pride and the conceitedness of um, others. So the tongue is very dangerous. You know, like always be careful with what you are putting out there. So don't think that the minute you are saved, you can start a Bible class and you can actually teach. No. The more opportunity you have to give out the word of God, the more that you are responsible. Like you actually are responsible for giving out that <clears throat> um, information to people. Don't give out wrong information to people. So verse two goes on to read, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So here, in many ways, we all stumble. We're not perfect. And there is no exception to this. You know, no one should lie to you that, you know, they are a saint or whatever it is. We all stumble and we all fall short of the glory of God. So if anyone does not stumble in the word, he is a perfect man and he is a full-grown Christian. So in this particular case, in this particular instance, you know, the, uh, stumbling is, you know, like you grow up, you know, like you're a full-grown Christian. You don't remain a baby. So if if this person is a full-grown Christian, you know, they can control um, and bridle their tongue, and they can control their speech, and they can control their whole body, and they can control their lives. So we all stumble, and the tongue is the index of our lives. The tongue lifts man from, you know, it it, it actually differentiates man from the animal world, and it keeps a man from, you know, just being like, you know, like an ape, a gibbering ape, or like a ta like a, a blabbering parrot. Man is, um, you know, um, Man is, is, is an intellectual animal. Uh, man can put a lot of thought into word and express himself, you know, as compared to the animals. So he can understand and communicate on a high level. And, you know, the tongue is a badge that we wear. It's an identification of us. You can actually tell, you know, like the intelligence and, you know, um, or the foolishness of somebody just when they open their mouth and talk. So the tongue is a badge that we wear. It identifies us and it's the table of contents in our lives. So it tells who we are and it gives away, um, you know, who we are. It tells whether we're ignorant or whether we're learned. It tells whether we're crude or we're straight, whether we're vulgar or clean, a believer, a blasphemer, a Christian or a non-Christian. The tongue can tell all these things just by, you know, someone opening their mouth. Verse 3 <clears throat> goes on to read, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths and they may, that they may obey us and return their whole body. So, you know, David had said, I will take heed of my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while um, the wicked is before me. So David talked about keeping a bridle on his mouth. And um, that's in Psalms 39 verse 9, you know. Um, <clears throat> let me just quickly turn there if I can find it. 
Psalms 39, verse 9. Um, okay. <clears throat> Where David talked about bridling the tongue. And that's what uh, we are learning today. Okay. So Psalms 39, <clears throat> verse 9 goes on to read, I was mute. I did not open my mouth because it was you who did it. So here, you know, there is a lot of Christians today that go around with their foot in their mouths all the time. And, um, you know, David here is saying he wants to give the right kind of testimony by putting a bridle on his mouth, by keeping quiet. You know, if you don't have anything to say, don't say anything at all. So there is a lot of Christians today that um, should have a bridle in their mouths because they walk around with their foot in their mouths. So the bridle bits are not, um, you know, an impressive size um, that are put on like horses, but they will hold um, a high-spirited horse in check and keep him from running away. And, you know, a lot of us should con consider actually bridling our tongues so the tongue can run away from us. There needs to be a bridle for the tongue. So we should always be, you know, quick to hear, but slow to speak and slow to run. <clears throat> James chapter 4, sorry, James chapter 3, verse 4 reads, Look also <clears throat> at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires so here james changes the figure of speech now and he's looking at you know ships so sh a ship can be controlled by you know a very very small rudder that's the huge ship that's driven by the wind um that is controlled by a very small rudder that can't even be seen so a fierce storm may drive a ship but that little rudder can control it so the tongue can change the course of our lives and um men have actually ruined their have actually been ruined by the tongue you know, there's a saying that goes like, what, loose lips sink ships? And that's actually true. You know, a loose tongue can actually uh, be the downfall of somebody. So the tongue is very dangerous and it is condemned more than alcohol in scripture. And um, if we turn to Proverbs uh, 6, yeah, verse 7, it reads, um, which having no captain overseer or ruler so the tongue is like it's not controlled it just runs wild so god speaks of one of the things he hates and um no no, no that's not actually in proverbs no okay it's somewhere in proverbs um oh actually it's verse 16 not verse 6 it's uh proverbs uh, Proverbs chapter 6 verse 16 sorry not Proverbs 6 verse 7 and it reads the six things that God hates yes seven are an abomination to him so um, here it's a proud look a lying tongue you know so let us bridle our tongues so a lying tongue loose lips sink ships a lying tongue is one of the things that God actually hates so yeah this is today's teaching it's about bridling the tongue uh, you know, make a, let's make a reflection on that. I will make a reflection on that because, I mean, there's so many times that I have just let my tongue just run loose. And, you know, um, it's good to actually put judgment on yourself, to judge yourself. You know, I've gone back and just reflected and said, you know, I shouldn't have said this. Um, I shouldn't have spoken like that. Um, and, you know, as Christians, every day we always fall short of the glory of God. But it's always good to go back and reflect and, um, and um, you know, correct our ways and pray over it. And uh, yeah, that's that's how it's supposed to be as a child of God. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. 
God bless you all and have a pleasant Wednesday. Bye-bye.